Yeah. All right, grab your Bibles. Go to Lamentations 3 with me, if you don't mind. So last night was pretty crazy. Um, if you're a guest with us, let me apologize if you find a couple of lampshades tilted or stuff. Um, there was evidence of a really good party that happened here last night. This place was a barn burner, so uh, yeah. Tell you what, if you... If you decorated your car, or if you volunteered with parking or the rides or food or setup or in any way last night, if you volunteered or you brought your car, would you stand up where you are, please? Just stand up. I have a feeling our second service may have a few more of them, but yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. We want to thank you because what happened last night was insane. Um, we had more children here. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I fully expect to receive our annual donation from the Union of Carroll County Dentistry sometime this week. <laughs> um, it was nuts. And, and I'm going to give a, I'm going to give a shout out. And I, I know all of you worked really hard, but there were four young ladies last night who, who were pushing candy. Literally, actually. Those four young ladies. So you got Bella, you got Abby, you got Taylor, and you got Maddie. Those four girls were amazing. So yeah. They, uh, <laughs> they were pushing candy, and they must have done about 20 miles up and down handing out that candy last night. So I, it, is, it is just a, it's a fun night. It's a great time to interact with you all. It's a great time to see your creativity. Some of you are nuts, um, which is cool. But it's also a fantastic opportunity for us to invite our neighbors, our community, up on top of the hill for a little while. It gives us a chance to get to know them and to talk to them and, and begin to build relationships with them. Many of you are here at Uniontown as a result of the trunk retreat in the past years. And so we pray that the, the seeds of gospel conversations that were planted last night would grow into big old plants and they would be sitting here with us one day soon as we celebrate what Jesus has done for us. Not because of a candy, but because of a sacrifice for us. So... Yeah, pretty cool. All right, so now that you're, 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 you're with me, I need you to do me a favor. Why don't you take out a piece of paper, anything, scratch paper, a little writing utensil. It can be your iPad if you like. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get you to do something just a little different this morning to kind of bring you into, into the moment. I don't know, any of you familiar with the game Pictionary? Anybody? Anybody familiar with Pictionary? All right, good. So basic gist is this, I'm going to warm you up, I'm going to give you four test runs, and then I'm going to do the thing that I actually want to do. But what you need to do is I'm only going to give you like 10 seconds, and in 10 seconds you've got to write and draw a picture of this as best as you can, okay? So, so don't go huge, because i got four of them, actually there's five of them, I take that back, there's five of them. So don't go huge, don't use all your paper. Okay, the first one, you ready? Get your pencil ready? Very first thing, I want you to draw, i got to find it to make sure I do it in the right order, please forgive me. I should just put these on and stop being vain. <sighs> a bird. Go for it. A bird. Ah, there we go. <laughs> no fair mocking right away. You got to wait a little while before you do that. A bird. Okay, got your bird? Okay, share your, show, show that to the people next to you. Show, show them your amazing artist work. Here's mine. Let me show you mine. Here's mine. I worked very hard on this. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else draw that? Come on. Yeah! (laughs) Well done. Well done. Okay, the next one, I want you to go ahead and draw a tree. Draw a tree. Go for it. 
Eight seconds left, do a tree, okay. Very good. All right, share it with your neighbors. Let's see, compare, see who wins the match. I've got a fancy, I don't know what, it looks like, looks like a cloud blowing its nose somehow. I'm not sure, but I got that. Okay, good. Tree, good, okay. Y'all still with me? Good, okay. Gonna get a little tricky. Fish. Draw a fish. Draw a fish. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you right now, this is my best one. And I spent way more than 10 seconds on it. All right, you ready? Here we go. Fish. Yes. You know how long I spent in that little bugger? <laughs> okay, you still with me? All right, here's the last warm-up. This one, have some fun with. I'm going to give you 20 seconds for this one so you can have a little fun. Okay? <laughs> Go ahead, 20 seconds. Draw pastor. Whatever comes to mind as you think pastor, you got, you got 15 more seconds. <laughs> and the laughing out loud kind of hurts I'm just going to tell you that right now so that's cool it's alright, it's good, it's good love y'all alright, go ahead, share I, I fully expect to see a few of these later I'm really looking forward to it alright, uh, this was my feeble attempt Thank you. However, I'm going to show you one. This one's awesome. This is one of our teenagers, Hannah, a few weeks ago. My first Sunday back after sabbatical, sat there and drew a picture of me preaching, and it is redonkulous. <laughs> I look kind of suave in that picture, don't I? It's pretty awesome. So there you go. All right. One, there, here, now that you're warmed up, here we go. Here's the big one. What I want you to do. I was going to put a blank screen up there. What I want you to do is I want you to draw. Now, let me give you a little backstory. When you go to a, like a Christian art store or, or a Christian bookstore, and you're looking for that picture you want to put in your office or in your living room, right? And you're trying to find that picture that's got this, this beautiful verse. Let me read this verse to you. It says this. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. What's the scene that is behind that verse when you go to buy that painting? What comes to mind? Your mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It might take a little work. So go ahead and sketch that out real quick for me. Sketch out what is the scene behind the verse of great is your faithfulness? You guys are taking this serious. All right, go ahead and share with the people next year. I will, I seriously, I don't know that I'm exaggerating. I may have spent more time on this drawing than I did preparing for the sermon. We'll see, but I am not an artist. Here is the scene that I drew right there. <laughs> Notice I did copy and paste the fish, just in case you were wondering. Right? Serene, nice breeze as you're on the sailboat, the happy fish, the happy dude. I mean, that's like living life, right? We hear, great is your faithfulness, your, your mercies are new every morning. Oh, because of your faithful love, we don't perish. And it's like, oh, it's the warm fuzzy, it's supposed to go in a coffee mug in the morning, you're supposed to look at it and just be, I'm so refreshed by God and caffeine. 
But actually, the picture is probably more accurately drawn like this. <laughs> you said, wow, because of my artwork. I'm going to take that to the bank. <laughs> See, we, we oftentimes take verses and remove them from the context in which they are written, and then we apply them into the beautiful way we want to apply them. And what you're going to find this morning as we walk through Lamentations chapter 3 together is a very different picture, a different picture even than what we've been looking at in the last three weeks. You remember the first couple of weeks we spoke about lament and how the pain and the hurt comes to us as children of God in this broken world. And we cry out those honest cries to God. How is this possible? Why is this happening? When, when is it going to end? And last week we looked at the very bitter and difficult passages of Lamentations chapter 1 and 2, seeing that the righteousness of God demands that there be a judgment on sin. And today, as we look at not all of, but a lot of Lamentations chapter 3, I want to give you a warning of where it's going. Today, what you're going to hear is the voice of someone who is outside the pain but feeling the full weight of the pain because of the weight of relationship they have with the person whose life has blown up. You're going to hear the voice of the dad who's just watching for his son to return home. The voice of the mom who hears her children reject the love that Jesus has for them. The voice of the brother or the sister who's, who's reached out to their siblings so many times, but they, that sibling just keeps choosing their own way. And you hear the voice of a prophet or a pastor who knows that there's people who sit each week and think they've got it all figured out, only to fall away once circumstances get difficult. You're going to hear the, the voice of one who is called out repeatedly in a spirit of love and enthusiasm and zeal to a people who have turned their back on God only to be rejected. The one who saw the danger coming and tried to warn them. How often does stuff like that happen? We, we do... We feel like we do everything that we can, everything that we should do. We try to do what's right, and yet it doesn't turn out the way we expected it. Or, or even, even worse, it actually turns out the exact opposite of the way we would expect it to turn out. And, and with the psalmists of previous weeks, with Jeremiah in Lamentations, we, we can only have our heart cry out, How? How could this possibly be your plan, God? Why? Why would you allow this? How long? How long am I going to live in the darkness? How long am I going to exist in the shadows? And the, and the, the problem is, in those times, if we're not careful, we start to truly question God's character, God's concern, and God's care for us. Lamentations 3 comes after uh, Jerusalem has fallen. Babylon has surrounded it and carried away the brightest and best young people. It destroyed everything in Jerusalem, including the temple. No stones were left on top of one another. The tradition has it that Jer uh, Jer um, Jeremiah sat outside the city in his grotto, and he could look over the city, and he saw the, the smoke rising like after a, a huge battle. 
And, and Lamentations is his lament that he writes as he's looking at the city. Last week, Lamentations 1 and 2, Jeremiah wrote with a, a poetic form called an acrostic, and each verse began with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it went from Aleph to Tav, that's A to Z in Hebrew. This week, in Lamentations 3, it breaks that pattern and does something a little different. It's still an acrostic, it's still Aleph to Tav, but instead of each letter having one verse, each letter starts three verses. And Jeremiah laments and pours out his heart. Why is he lamenting? He's lamenting because his, his own people rejected him. If you read through the book of Jeremiah, you, you see a track record in ministry that many would call into question because his people refused to listen to Jeremiah. They beat him. They put him in stocks. Um, they, they, they cried out that he deserved the death penalty a number of times. They put him in the bottom of a cistern that was filled with mud and didn't give him food and they expected him to die. So Jeremiah is lamenting over the rejection of his own people. Jeremiah is lamenting the fact that he has lost so very much. But what he lost was a result of their foolish decisions. He called them to repentance. He spoke the word of God to them. And instead of pursuing God, they turned their back further on God. And now the temple is a smoldering mess. The dwelling place of God has been removed from them, has been taken from them. The city has been destroyed. Jeremiah is lamenting because as he looks at his people, his people, and sees how much they hurt, he hurts. It's, it's taking your baby to get their shots, right? Very few parents are cold and callous. They're like, ah, baby, just suck it up, you'll be fine. Now oh, your heart breaks for the little, the little one whose chin is quivering and lip is doing, and they let out this most pathetic scream, and it's like, oh, I feel so bad for them, and Jeremiah's in the same place as he interacts with parents who've lost their children, either dying during the siege or being carried away to Babylon never to be seen again. Jeremiah is lamenting because these are the people that he loves. And he's had to watch them turn their back on God, refuse to return to God, and then face the consequences. Folks, it's the same feeling of having people you love walk away. And I know many of us in this room experience that daily. What did Jeremiah do wrong? Nothing. His loss is because of the choices of the people he loves, not his choice. So with that in mind, listen to the verse 20 verses of chapter 3. I'm the man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven me away and forced me to walk in darkness instead of light. Yes, he repeatedly turns his hand against me all day long. He's worn away my flesh and my skin. He has broken my bones. Let me stop right there. That, 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 that expression, he has broken my bones, is particularly poignant, and we miss it. As you go through the Old Testament, as, as the prophets and the people of God speak of the righteous ones, the righteous ones are the ones whose bones are not broken. And here he says, this physical ailment that I'm feeling is much like my flesh and my skin 
wearing away, my bones breaking. Verse 5, he's laid siege against me, encircling me with bitterness and hardship. He's made me dwell in darkness like those who have been dead for ages. He's walled me in so I cannot get out. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I cry out and plead for help, he blocks out my prayer. He's walled in my ways with blocks of stone. He's made my paths crooked. Just that chunk right there. I mean, you, you've got a picture coming from Jeremiah that I'm crying out to God, and it feels like God's putting his fingers in his ears, and he refuses to hear me. As I try to travel down the road, what he does is he keeps throwing up the roadblocks. He's made my paths crooked. That means he's made my paths absolutely impassable. Verse 10. He is a bear waiting in ambush, a lion in hiding. He forced me off my way and tore me to pieces. He left me desolate. He strung his bow and he set me as the target for his arrow. He pierced my kidneys with shafts from his quiver. I am a laughingstock to all my people, mocked by their songs all day long. It's not just hurt, but it's feeling the mockers behind you. You know what Jeremiah said, right? It's all the other prophets in the clique of prophets around the world, evidently. Saying, look, look, Jeremiah spoke and nobody responded. He's, he feels like he's the laughingstock of his profession. Verse 15, God filled me with bitterness. He satiated me or, or, or uh, saturated me with wormwood. He ground my teeth with gravel, and he made me cower in the dust. Think going to the beach and getting just a little bit of sand in your mouth. You just can't get rid of it, and it's always there, reminding you of your most recent trip to the beach. <laughs> Jeremiah says, that's what it feels like, but it's gravel in my teeth, and I can't seem to do anything about it. Verse 17, I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is or goodness or happiness. And then I thought, my future is lost as well as my hope from the Lord. Listen to verse 19. My, remember my affliction, my homelessness, the wormwood, the poison. I continually remember them and I've become depressed. Wait, can you, can you, can you pray like that? Are you allowed to talk like that? Absolutely. I mean, that's particularly poignant in verse 18 where he's like, I have no hope. My future is lost as well as my hope from the Lord. Hope, hope carries a lot of different meanings between languages. In English, hope carries with it the understanding of a question or doubt. Man, I sure hope so. Like there's a chance it won't happen. But in Hebrew, that's not the term for hope that is used here. The term for hope here is I am, I'm waiting confidently and expectantly. So, so biblical hope has at its foundation the whole of God's counsel and the entirety of God's character, which is unchanging. And right here, Jeremiah has reached the place where that's the hope he lost. The settled confidence and expectations that he would have of God has suddenly been set aside because of his immediate Circumstances, And then verse 20, as he reflects on his current situation, he, he says, I have become depressed. I have become stooped over. I have become knocked down. So what, what's Jeremiah questioning in those verses we read? Everything. 
When's the pain going to end? When's the pain going to end? Now, now you and I can ask that question, and, and Jeremiah might ask that question, but Jeremiah is the one himself who gave the answer to the children of Israel in Jeremiah chapter 29. The, the people of Judah, he stood before it. Let me give you the real quick story of Jeremiah 27, 28, and, and 29 in, in less than three minutes. <laughs> Not going to happen, but that's right. There's a guy named Hananiah. Hananiah is a false prophet. Hananiah has heard Jeremiah stand before the people of Judah and say, okay, this is, and he's walking around with his arms in a yoke. And he's walking around and saying, people, you've got to understand, this is a visual image for you to see. God is communicating through me to you. Babylon is going to come in, and he's going to, and Babylon's going to take us, and we are going to be yoked. We are going to be his slaves. We are going to be servants to Babylon for, for a long time. Then Hananiah comes in and says, let me respond to what Jeremiah said. Actually, God said, I broke that yoke of Babylon, and you're only going to be stuck in Babylon for two years. And I love Jeremiah 28, verse 6, the prophet Jeremiah hearing Hananiah bring this new revelation says, well, amen. May the Lord do that. May the Lord make the words you prophesied come true, and may he restore the articles of the Lord's temple and all the exiles from Babylon to this place. I I hope you're right, Hananiah. I really do. That would be wonderful. However, as God speaks to me, he says it's going to be a lot longer than two years. Hananiah is having none of it. And as Jeremiah is wearing his yoke, walking around, speaking this consistent message, Hananiah comes and he pulls the yoke off of Jeremiah and he breaks it. And he says, see, that right there, that's the picture. God has broken the yoke that you would have under Babylon. You will not be in Babylon that long. And Jeremiah hears from God and God says, now that Hananiah has broken the yoke of wood, I put you in a yoke of iron. Hananiah says, two years, within two years, we'll be out of Babylon. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. Jeremiah says this to the people of Judah. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete, I'll attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. Now, my friend, difficulty is not going to end immediately. Hardship isn't going to just suddenly disappear. And as Jeremiah is writing in Lamentations, after being the, even the mouthpiece of God, the lament continues to flow from him. And now through the tears through the pain and through the anguish, everything that he's already said, everything that God has spoken through him, (laughs) Jeremiah writes verses 21 through 24. Look at those with me. Yet, I call this to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. Because his mercies will never end. They're new every morning. God, great is your faithfulness. I say, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will put my hope in him. 
Normalize lament. Yes, we must. Don't rush through the pain. Express it to God. Remember our definition of lament is the honest cry of the child of God who's living in the tension of pain and the promise of God. Be the, be the honest child who just dumps your bucket onto God's lap, knowing that he will hear you. Continue to lay this at his feet. Express it in all of its ugliness to God. And let me encourage you. Here's a little application moment for you. Let me encourage you. You're going through it right now. Write your own lament. doesn't have to rhyme. You don't need to make it an acrostic like Lamentations. But sit down and consider what it is that you're truly mourning, what it is you're truly lamenting over, and and put pen to paper, even if you've never done it before, and write your lament, but don't stop at the tears. Your lament needs to include this awesome word in verse 21, yet, yet, even though all of these things are true, even though my heart is broken, even though I have been so violently offended, yet I am going to continue to trust in him. I call this to mind, yet. It's such a necessary word in our lament because, because if we're not careful, we stop living in that tension between the pain and the promise of God, and instead we remove the tension by anchoring in our feelings of pain and anguish and hurt. Now, the tension of living in a world of pain and knowing the the promise of God means that in your pain, you cry out that glorious word, yet, while this hurts, while I am crushed, while I'm in anguish of my soul, yet, and he continues, yet, I call this to mind, this is coming from the very center of his being, because of his faithful love, I love that, that word faithful love is a single word in Hebrew, and it's chesed, chesed, it's faithfulness, it's a love that is rooted in the character of God. Hope doesn't come from changed circumstances. Hope comes from the character of the God who never changes. Hope is wrapped up in, in God's ability, even in our darkest days, in the darkest of shadows. Our hope is wrapped up in God's ability to remain God. He's faithful. He's unchanging, and we need to rejoice in that unchanging, faithful character of God. Because without that unchanging, faithful character of God, we're wiped out, which is why Jeremiah says, because of his faithful love, we don't perish. Because every morning we wake up, it carries with it the rise of the sun and a fresh batch of mercy from God, which we are desperate for every day. And he gets to this place, he says, now now verse 24, I say, the Lord is my portion. The Lord is my possession. The Lord is all that I've got. That's the sweetest tension for the child of God. That phrase right there. The God, God, I've got nothing but God. There's tension in that. That means I'm living in pain and everything's just falling apart. But I've got God. I've got what I need. So how can Jeremiah respond? And smoke is, is rising from the battlefield. He sits down and he writes his lament. He makes the turn to God. And yet, yet I will have hope because I recall these things to mind. His faithfulness is great. His mercies are new every morning. And he finishes penning that. The Lord is my portion. And he looks up from his notepad and sees that the smoke is still covering the ground and the people are still dead. How do you respond to that, folks? 
How do you respond when you go home this afternoon and sit down and you write your lament? And then you write out your favorite characteristics of who God is and how you've seen that play out in your life. And then you close your book and you walk right back into the room where the chaos is just erupting around you. Where the cause of your greatest pain and hurt, even trauma, still exists right there in front of you. How do you respond? (laughs) You're not going to like this. You wait. Because we hate waiting, don't we? That's why microwaves were so popular in the late 70s. That's why we need high-speed internet. That's why we need express delivery in all of our packages. That's why we need these smartphones, because we need the answer right now. What's stocks doing? What's the scores? And how old is that person on television that I swear he's got to be young? Oh, he's not young. That means I'm old too. Verse 25. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is still young. Those three verses actually all begin with the word good. But it would sound a little Yoda-like to read it like that. Good, good the Lord is to those who wait for him. Good it is to wait quietly. Good it is for a man to bear the yoke. What, what, what Jeremiah is trying to get across is there is something that is good, and it is that you wait. And in that last one, it's good for a man to bear the yoke while he's still young. It's good for you to learn the lesson of how beneficial it is to wait on God when you are young because you're going to have a lot of opportunities to do it as you age. We hate waiting on God. There's, there's a part of us that feels like, man, I did my part. When's God going to do his part? And when we have to wait on God, it feels like we're not doing anything. We don't feel like we're in control anymore, and that's exactly what it's supposed to be. What that, that, that time of waiting is, is simply admitting what's true every other day. We're just more aware of it right now, and that is this. I don't control anything. My only hope is in him. The Lord is my portion. I need no other. Waiting means you have to have your hope in God and in, and in God alone. And it's okay to admit that waiting is hard. It's okay. It's okay admitting that faith is difficult. It's, stop pretending like you're Superman. We've got to stop thinking that it's your unshakable faith that has allowed you to leap tall buildings in a single bound or to make it through this tough season. It's not. It's his faithfulness. It's his daily mercy. So wait. And while you wait, rest. Here's the hard part. You're going to have to work to rest. It's, it's active waiting. And that tension of pain and promise of God, the pain is always going to be present. That's just naturally. That's, that's where we live right now. And we're, we're always going to reflect on it. That's our natural tendency as human beings. But what's not natural is for us to step away from that and to rest in his character, to rehearse his faithfulness and his mercy every single day. Let, let, me, let me go back to Jeremiah 29 as I, as I close this out, okay? So, so Jeremiah is, is in conflict with Hananiah. And he's like, it's not two years. It's going to be 70 years. It's going to be 70 years, but it doesn't end there. <laughs> the pain's not just going to disappear. However, verse 11, and we love ourselves some Jeremiah 29, 11 around here. I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. 
I know the plans I have for you, but what I think we miss out on oftentimes is sometimes that's what the plan might look like. Not long term, because God says, I've got you. I'm not going to abandon you in your difficulty. Verse 12 says, you will call to me and come to pray to me, and I will listen to you. See, God hears us when we call out to him. Verse 13, you will seek me, and you will find me when you search me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. He's not hiding. If we seek him, we're going to find him. That's what it means to wait. That's what it means to rest. It means going on a hike with your parents, maybe as a two- or three-year-old. You've done pretty well for the first hour or so. Then your little legs get kind of tired. The hills seem steeper. The rocks seem to be a little more slippery than they were before. Mom and Dad are there. What are you going to do? I'm going to wait. So what does the typical two- or three-year-old do? They sit down. Makes everybody's life a little easier. The hike way more enjoyable, right? And uh, active waiting, active resting, would be if that little dude with his tiny little legs ran as fast as he could to jump into daddy's arms. And that's what God's calling you to. In your season of darkness, the shadows are growing. The smoke still hovers over the battlefield. God is calling you to actively wait. We're told in Lamentations that God's good to those who wait for him. Will you wait? You can. You can do so with full confidence. Not because you're an expert at waiting but because he is faithful. Would you pray with me, Father? I know I know that there are many needs in this room right now that I'm not even aware of. I know that there are men and women who struggle right now with so many different aspects of this idea of having to wait through a dark and difficult season. Lord, I know that there are some who have been right on the edge of giving up, So I pray right now that you would give them the energy and enthusiasm they need to jump into your arms. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I thank you that every morning we wake up, your mercies are new. I thank you that you can be trusted. I thank you that our hope is not wrapped up in any of our circumstances, but it's wrapped up in your character. That's unchanging and forever eternal and faithful. So would you fill the one in here who needs that hope with that hope? Would you encourage us to reflect on your character and your greatness even today as we close our time together? It's your matchless name I pray. Amen.